your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan, who is back from across the pond and a little under the weather, unfortunately. But we are very excited to be talking about Everton's 2-1 win away at Leicester City. A lot of great stats from this one from EFC Stato. Everton have won back-to-back games for the first time since September We've won an away game in the Premier League for the first time since Brighton in August, which was the third game of the season, ending a run of 14 away matches without a win. And last but not least, Everton have scored two non-penalty goals in an away game in the Premier League for the first time this season. I mean, it's Ouch. amazing, but also like, wow, we have really uh, stunk this season, huh? Um, yeah, it's, I'm yeah. excited uh, just for listeners sake. I do have COVID. I'm pretty worn out right now, so I'm going to do my best on the pod. Thank God we won. Had we lost, I don't even want to know how much worse I'd be feeling. Yeah, it was amazing to score two goals. I'm not going to say we generated a ton of offense or anything, but we got it done. And that's all that really mattered. Yeah, we did. And it was nervy. At the end, but I felt after the the kind of weathering the onslaught against Chelsea last week that I, I don't know. I felt a different level of confidence. I was terrified for the last thirty minutes of the Chelsea match. I felt, for some reason, slightly more confident in holding really? on away at Leicester. I don't know why. It's- I was the opposite. I don't know why. I mean, I was at the Chelsea match, obviously, but like I felt, I just felt like they weren't going to score at Chelsea. I, this time, I, I was really nervous, and maybe it was the subs, and we'll get to that because. There's a big drop off in terms of yeah. performance there, um, but hey, you know it's uh, yeah. Ironically, too, it's it's not only Mother's Day, so Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, but it's also my wife's birthday. So for me, I'm like, not today, just not today. And of <laughs> course, I have COVID too. So so anyone accuses me of getting out of like the family events. It's all her side of the family, too, that lives in the area, so I'm not going to be able to go to any of that stuff. <laughs> anyone accuses me like I faked COVID to get that. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. no one was accusing you, but the fact that you tried to, you know, proactively get out ahead of it really, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you're tipping your hand there a little it's bit. It's so right. sad, man. I'm, I'm, I, you know, they've insisted on me wearing a mask when I walk upstairs. I'm quarantined down in the basement, but hey, you know, that much more time to do analysis and we won. And that's what, uh, that's what the most important thing was. But truly, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Agreed. Very happy Mother's Day. And it always helps if you're a blue mom that. <laughs> Everton pick up the win. Um, before we get into all of the great stuff from this match, we and the not so great stuff as well, because there was some of that. Just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please do leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Helps us out a whole heck of a lot. If you want to find all of our links to social media, you can find those at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And you should definitely join our Discord uh, at invite.gg slash ATP. Those links will all be in the description, so check it out. And speaking of the Discord, we set a new record today, Ryan, for correct number of score predictions. We had 14. And I'm going to read them all because they were, you know, they all deserve it. I think the previous record was eight. We almost broke it last week. We smashed through it. This week, we had Everton Fury 19, Matt Clevy rhymes with Chevy, A.A. Ron the Iwobino Stan, Stockhausen, Carmel Crunch 10, Prague Toffee Tom, K. Bowie, EFC Jonesy, Blade Runner 612, Wisconsin Toffee, Too Many Pumas, Austin D., Suburban Guy, and The Sneaky Snail. That's a lot. Too Many Pumas has like gotten a ton of these, right? That's not my imagination. He was on a torrid streak there for a while. He's been on fire. I think Carmel Crunch got back-to-back score predictions both last week and this week. And, yeah, some other recurring correct guessers in there some, as well. Some of these names are just, just <laughs> absurd. This is one where Al, I, it's unfortunate we're missing Alex uh, this episode, but Alex would just shake his head about it. You yeah. know, <laughs> I totally would. Yeah, it's amazing. But um, we tend to be a fairly optimistic bunch. Well, I don't want to speak for everyone else. Uh, myself, maybe not. But um, – yeah, the, for the most part, I think the Discord is a relatively um, optimistic bunch. And I think looking at uh, when the lineups came out about an hour beforehand, I, I think Everton had a lot of reasons to be optimistic, too. And um, so I would never, I almost never make a score prediction, but I certainly wouldn't make one until I saw the lineups. And and you knew Leicester played on Thursday, got right. knocked out. 
uh, by Roma. They're not playing great. I mean, really, the last time I'd argue they even looked good was Ajax in maybe middle of April. Um, their expected goal differential is actually worse than ours. I mean, they've given up 54 goals. So they're not strong in the back. Yes, Fafana was out a lot. So that's part of it. But they're still, I mean, Vardy and Bards were on the bench. Um, Madison, Ndidi, Perea, James, all these guys were out. So uh, certainly if there was a time for us to pick up a road win, um, against a team that some of the other guys were tired. This this has got to be it, right? And and yeah, when you look at that lineup, I mean, Dewsbury Hall's back, but Ineacho and Daka's more like a kind of a poacher type, and I thought we might sit back a little, so I think that would hopefully neutralize him. Didn't quite play out that way. Was he Perez? I mean, does he really? I know he's phenomenal under Rafa at, at Newcastle, but he doesn't really, think, scare too many people. I think you look at Tielemans and you think, oh, no. But other than that, I mean, they don't have the typical width they would attack with. You know, Costine is not all that. I mean, he's okay going forward. Amarty's not. So, you know what I mean? You look at that lineup and you think, these guys aren't that great today. You know, we got a shot. Yeah, this set up pretty well for Everton. I mean, anytime your opposition, you know, is coming off less rest than you and has to rotate players on top of all the injury problems Lester have had, it it looked good. And, and furthermore, Everton name an unchanged starting eleven. You know, we were talking about it off the air, and someone mentioned it, it was uh, Sludvig's on the Discord asked how many times this season have Everton been able to name the same lineup in consecutive matches. And unfortunately, there's no real way to know that without, you know, scrutinizing every single lineup and checking. But it really hasn't been many because we've had so many injuries, so much rotation needed. And Everton go with the same basically 5-4-1, 4-3-3, whatever you want to call it. But we keep Mikolenko in the back. It's Holgate and Mina partnership with Seamus Coleman kind of acting as like the third center back. And then Alex Awobi. At the time, hoping that he might be in the midfield, but turns out he was retaining his role as sort of that right wing back position in front of them. Gray, Fabian Delph, who's been great and was also great today. Abdullah Decore, Anthony Gordon, then Richarlison leading the line. Still no sign of Calvert-Lewin, though he was on the bench. Um, Branthwaite also dropped off the bench and we had Reese Welch. Um, so, you know, limited options. Donnie Van de Beek and others still out injured. And um, yeah, but at the same time, you have that, in theory, strong starting eleven. And set up well going against a weakened Leicester side who are, you know, short on rest. And so, you know, we'll get into the timeline in a second. But needless to say, it was a very frantic start back and forth, end to end stuff to kick off the match. And overall, an interesting tactical uh, sort of meeting of, of two teams who are, well, Everton seemed to have settled into this sort of identity, Ryan, and it, it seems to be working for us. So on the final word on Toffee TV, uh, Max and I were on. If you haven't checked that out, it's kind of fun. Max, I should have let Max talk more, but he's pretty funny when he did with Ped. Um, We talked a little bit about what we thought of what we was doing against Chelsea. And very much, he was almost man-marking Alonso for a while. And I think if I had to guess, I think Frank was assuming that Barnes would play from the get-go. Because otherwise, I mean, why, why do you have a Wobie over there? Like, who is the danger guy from the left side? I mean, really, no one. So I, I, I have, I'm guessing, maybe I'm wrong, I'm guessing that that was the intent. Um, because I don't, I don't feel like that setup was great, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, we're falling all over each other in midfield, and Leicester was a little different. They attacked more narrowly. I thought we did a very good job last match against Leicester, pushing them wide, you know, and literally leaving everything kind of out on the wide peripherals. And yes, they're dangerous in those spaces, but I, I actually thought that was... Fine, today was not as much the case. Now, that being said, we still remain relatively compact at times. And as we kind of got into the flow, and eventually, obviously, once we got the lead, I mean, just look at the touches. I mean, it's Fafana with 122 touches, which is unbelievable, by the way. Amarty, Evans. I mean, those are the guys with over 100 touches for Leicester. And even though Brendan Rodgers doesn't always play this way, at his heart, at his heart, he's a possession-based guy. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that probably surprised Frank a little bit. And I think it confused us a little bit early in terms of how to deal with that attack down the middle. Now, if you look at the stats in terms of, you know, which direction each team attacked, we looked very balanced. They looked relatively balanced as well, too. Um, but for the most part, I would say for the most part, we pushed a lot of their shots from distance. Um, and we'll get into some of the fantastic saves Jordan Pickford made in the second half. And we were relatively picky. I mean, there were a couple times I felt like we break out where we could have shot a little bit more. But I know, James, you like hitting kind of the shots numbers. Yeah, and, and just quickly on sort of the distribution of, of attack, this might be the first game this season where we were literally perfectly balanced, assuming who scored uh, 
numbers are correct that we attacked equally 38% down the left and right with 23% I mean, It felt like that, didn't you think? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, you know, you had some dangerous play coming down both ends and Alex will be offered a presence, you know, Damari gray was threatening. Anthony Gordon was a little wasteful in the final third, but used his pace effectively to get in behind. Um, yeah, it did feel very balanced and even Mikolenko obviously chipping in, which God, I can't wait to talk about that goal. Um, and, and yeah, we really limited. I mean, we forced Lester to take almost half of their shots from outside the box, 56% inside the 18, 44% outside the box. Meanwhile, we got 60% of our looks inside the 18 and an additional 10% inside the six, only 30% from outside the box. So high percentage looks, obviously the goal, second goal for Mason Holgate kind of tap in from essentially the goal line that will count for quite a bit but yeah you get those shots in those locations you're setting yourself up for success and you know we'll get in the timeline in just a moment and really talk about sort of all the nitty-gritty details of the performance but yeah i mean despite the lack of possession we were i think you know effective in the moments we needed to be and did enough to win the match and i think for the most part the numbers in terms of shot volume you see, they had a lot of their shots in the second half of the second half, right. really. And there were times where we, we kind of passed up shots, I think, at times where maybe we should have laced one. I think Gray had maybe the only time, only possession I saw that we had where I was like, settling for a deeper shot was fine. And it seemed like that's what we intended to do. Although Jordan Pickford's not normally the greatest at those, um, I felt like we closed down enough times on them to make it hard, even though they have some guys that can shoot for distance. All right, let's get into the timeline, Ryan, because this one started off with a bang. Obviously, it was really, I think, Lester in the opening couple minutes probably had a couple great opportunities to score. And then in the sixth minute, it's actually Everton with our first quote-unquote real chance of the match with Alex Iwobi receiving it in the wide area and seeing Mikalenko in acres of space at the top of the 18, loops one, and this is... A great example of why assists is such a good stat because Alex Wobie does <laughs> equally as much to set up Mikolenko as Mikolenko does with yeah. the full volley past Casper Schmeichel to put Everton in the lead. Um, I mean, you know, we, we obviously have talked a lot about Mikolenko coming in, maybe trying to temper some of the expectations for him, having to fill in for the great former Everton player, Luca Dean. But I didn't know that he had this in his locker, Ryan. This is one of the best goals we've seen this season. Easily, easily, his, and one of the most important as well. His left foot is good, but it's, I mean that, <laughs> that was something. Um, he's just a measured, intelligent player, and this was so well struck, though. And the, the technique on it's perfect. The balance is perfect. He doesn't even annihilate it. He just hits it perfectly. You know, he, he took a measured approach to it, right? He didn't whip his laces at it like a maniac, like Luca Dean might. Uh, honestly, he would, you know, try and bomb one in. Um, and he hits it perfect. And I just couldn't be happier for the guy. I mean, he's really settled in. We talked about how difficult. I'm going to pimp our episode. I think we should. We did a pretty pretty detailed dive on Mikalinko, um when we were rumored to be going after him, I want to say like in December, and broke him down in, in a lot of detail. And we talked about the history of Ukrainian players coming directly from that league that were from the Ukraine into the Premier League, and there aren't many. And the fact that he has shown the maturity, especially considering what's going on in home, his homeland right now, to really start to be a key cog for us, it's all the difference in the world. And look, we, we pointed out numerically, too, we did kind of our assessment of the team and where we're really failing, how bad we were at left back before he came. Um, you know, for the players that remain, obviously, Dean was outstanding, especially defensively. I know people hate to hear that, but his numbers defensively were unbelievable. But John Joe Kenny is played a good match or two but for the most part he's just not great he's not a good player and he's he's not certainly not fantastic at left back so the drop off there is pretty significant and um this is just a phenomenal goal i mean one of the best goals debatably the goal of the year for us i mean this is just such an amazing shot um and it kind of changed the game i thought for for a second there i mean goals change games i just thought after looking somewhat disorganized that Okay, all right, let's settle in here. We've got the lead. There's no pressure on us to kind of be overly expansive, which I thought maybe we were in the first couple minutes. Um, but all that changed in about the 10th. I mean, do we, this, I don't even know. I mean, I've, I've got, uh, in the document, I've got it explained in detail, and I'm happy to walk through it. But James, this is one of the strangest sequences. I, I, I mean, I've seen, I don't even know what to say. This is like the ultimate Everton that. It, it really was. You know, you take the early lead, you get the, so important the first goal and then it lasts just over five minutes before all of a sudden we're level again and i'm 
terrified on the edge of my seat thinking, okay, because because again, I think even at this point with the lesser goal, yes, the the manner in which we concede was really poor, but that's still, you know, considering the fact that they had a bunch of legitimately good opportunities to score. This was one that we just handed them on top of that, which made it all the more frustrating because we were able to kind of defend the good chances and then we just hand them it. But Ryan, yeah, definitely kind of walk us through what happens here other than the just bizarre collision between Coleman and Mina that just gives them the goal. Yeah. The saddest part is, is, you know, right about the 10th, Mina steps in front of a pass, kind of fumbles it out. There's a little bit of a battle. DeCorey eventually comes out with this. Now, DeCorey starts with the ball just in front of our 18. He just takes off. He gets about midfield. He's flying. Um, this is an impressive run. He kind of chips it over to Damari Gray. Now, Damari Gray doesn't take, doesn't go right at Amarty. He kind of pulls him a little bit wide left. And I was a little surprised. I mean, sometimes Gray has been a little more passive, I guess, or a little less direct under Frank. And you see a little bit of it. And, and I, was, I thought he was going to just try and take him. And he doesn't. Instead... He kind of plays it into space, barely, almost when he gets inside the 18 for DeCorey, who is still making this run, flying. He kind of pokes it. He's in a battle with Johnny Evans, gets enough of it. It gets under Schmeichel, and I'm thinking it's in. It must have hit his hand underneath him. He flies backwards towards the near post, hits the post, (laughs) and somehow stays out. And, I mean, DeCorey shaking his head, which is sad because he probably should have gotten in front of Schmeichel and tried to prevent him from releasing the ball. I don't know how this thing doesn't go in, but then he, you know, he boots it in Iacho outright, who tries to chip it forward to Daka, who has two people on him. So what's the point of that? But it pops up off up in the air off of Holgate's foot because Holgate's all over Iacho when he gets his ball. Mina is battling with Daka. There's no way Daka's really going to win this thing clean, even if he does win it. He goes up for it. It kind of fumbles out. It pops up in the air. They're battling for it, and for some unearthly reason Seamus Coleman leaps in here like he's going to jump over and through Yeri Mina and win a win the ball I, I I can't figure out why he did this he takes out Mina misses the ball it basically drops to Pax and Docky. he just rolls right in and buries it and I'm sitting there thinking how can you have gone from literally right on the goal line to the ball in the back of the net in probably 30 seconds in the way we did it, because, yeah, I was a little concerned, at least at first, how I didn't think we were really well organized. And, you know, I thought they they had they looked like they were going to play, have a little different plan of attack against us and it might be successful. And then to give up this one, you just shake your head. You're like, what? on? And it's just the type of mistake that you think in the back of your head. You're like, you can't make these types of mistakes if you're in a relegation battle. Right. I mean, tell me that did not go through your head as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is the type of individual error that borders on comedy when you're a neutral watching these kinds of matches. And it's not often you see it was literally one continuous highlight from the Decore breakdown. Schmeichel gets it and it just goes the opposite way and they score. It's not often you see two teams, you know, I don't know how it didn't go in on one end and then it goes in on the other through a comedy of errors. It was just ridiculous. And again, you know, we're in a relegation battle. We're all of a sudden level at this point. Also, you know, the, the fixture between Arsenal and Leeds is going on. They're down already Leeds are. And so we're thinking, okay, you know, we're in a good position all of a sudden. Okay. Well now we're still in the relegation zone or whatever it may be. And then, so we're level. We need to find a way to take the lead again and then insult to injury in a, no pun intended, because it's a literal injury wow. to Gary Mina in the 18th minute. He goes down, and this was a weird one because the referee, I believe, stops play for it. it seemed like it might have been a head injury or something. He was standing. He seemed perfectly fine. He wasn't grabbing his head, but then he goes down. The trainer comes on, massages his calf a little bit. Yuri Mina walks out off the pitch, and Michael Keane comes on. It's just such a blow. You know, he was so huge for us against Chelsea. He's been a mainstay for us anytime he can get remotely fit. But that's the problem and always has been with him is that he can't seem to do that for more than 90, 100, 120 minutes of actual gameplay before he's out for another extended period of time. And hopefully this is just a precautionary thing that we're being careful, but it didn't look good and then you have the massive drop off in quality between Mina and Michael Keane and all of a sudden you have to play another 70 minutes with that setup kind of have lost the momentum that you got from the initial goal it just was not looking very good for Everton at this juncture ironically I wasn't as concerned about me Keane coming in knowing that we were going to kind of defend deep as it was about 
Mason Holgate still being in there. <laughs> and that just kind of shows you what it is. Um, I, don't, I feel like Frank doesn't really trust Michael Keane either, um, or else he might be in there. But ironically enough, um, about 10 minutes later, uh, Mason Holgate comes up huge here. But but getting back to the Mina thing, I think the real question is, what do you do with Yerry Mina? I, you could argue this is a little bit of an anomaly this year. I mean, it's not. He clearly has some muscular injuries in the past years, but it's not like he didn't play at all last year. I mean, I feel like he played like 29 matches the year before he played 34. So, and the way he plays, he, he's going to pick up some nicks. But is this just a matter? I mean, not that I really want to get into the old sports science thing that the Discord has basically become at this point. <laughs> but I, I don't know what you do with this. You know, I, I, obviously we need him. He's so much better than all other center halves. So you just don't know if he's 100%. And he's had a week off, so I don't blame Frank at all for playing him. I kind of wonder if maybe he got injured in the Coleman tangle. That's mm. my guess, because I, yeah. I didn't see anything that really happened otherwise. And that was a strange thing where he hit him and kind of fell on him. And maybe it's not muscular. You know, maybe he just twisted an ankle or something. That's just kind of a strange thing. And I don't know. But uh, the bottom line is that I have a lot less faith in our ability to contend and deal with the rest of the schedule without Yerry Mina. So fingers crossed. Have you? I've not seen anything on it post match about the injury. Have you? No, I haven't either. Um, Frank may have made a comment. I haven't seen much of Frank's post match presser, but it's yeah, it's just unfortunate that such a pivotal player. We're so much better with him on the pitch, but he just this season has not been able to be on it very often, and it's a big. And look, he's got a year left. Or he's basically got two years left, right? This yeah. year and then next year. Uh, so in the summer, you got to make a decision on him. And he's just so much, it's just hard to find a player that's that good. But if he's not healthy, you know, it doesn't, it, it's no good to us either way. Now, now the interesting thing about this was my concern was bringing in Keene when you have the lead and you're going to defend deep is not that big a deal. But we were tied at this point. But sure enough, in the 30th minute, we came up huge again. It scored on a set piece. Now, look, it's been well-documented Lester's issues defending set pieces. That's very true. Um, but it's not like we have a bunch of towers in the match at this point. But let's be honest. It was good to see Damari Gray back on corners, first things first. Yep. No offense to Anthony Gordon, but he's just not great off the corner. Gray puts this absolutely right on Richarlison's head. Perfect spin, perfect weight. Richarlison gets loose. It's a free header, basically. It gets saved and Holgate comes in there. Johnny on the spot follows up and the place goes absolutely bonkers. We'll talk about that in a second when we get to halftime. But I mean, my Lord, the away fans were incredible today. Uh, you, you, I mean, you'd have to be deaf to not have heard them the entire match. I can attest to how amazing the support was at the Chelsea match. It's just been, I mean, the fans are really trying to will this team over the line and, and it just makes all the difference in the world. Everyone's fired up and giving everything and, this goal typified it. You know, Holgate was going to go through the wall there and score no matter what happened. And kudos to him for doing it. And this, again, goals change the game. But at this point, I'm thinking, you know, look, you know, we can just get to half, settle down. We could be all right. Yeah, it, it was such a great goal. And in, in fairness, you know, Schmeichel doesn't do that well with the Richarlison free header. Kind of basically sets Holgate up and puts it right in front of him. But Holgate does what he needs to do. Right place, right time place goes bonkers and we then have basically a 10 minute plus i think may have gone on 30 40 minutes including you know post match but the rendition of spirit of the blues was just all you could hear on the tv broadcast you could not hear a peep from the lester fans it was all everton away support and it was really magnificent even through just the tv it was a, a sight to behold or a sight to hear um which doesn't make any sense, I recognize. But it does sort of carry us into halftime, at which point, you know, 70-30 possession effectively, which is unsurprising given the kind of new style of play Frank Lampard seems committed to and yielding results. 5-4 to four in shots. Lester outpassing us, but, you know, didn't pose too much of a greater threat in the end. We out-dribbled them. They won more aerials. 6-4 to four in tackles in favor of Everton, and we dispossessed them six times as well. Um, so all in all relatively decent. We go into the half with the lead and it felt like, okay, well, we've really got the crowd behind the team, the way support in it. And it wasn't just like at this moment worth noting, you know, there are videos coming out from, um, the concourse ahead of the match that were, you could just tell that the away fans were up for it. And this, the, the way in which this club and the fans have provided that 12th man presence over the last several matches has been 
I think vitally important as pointed out by Frank and the players and pretty much everyone's around the club, but to see it in, in I mean, such the send off at Finch farm too. Like, right. I mean, this, this Thank was you. the fans have realized and energized like, Hey, we can help will this team over the line. The funniest thing in the world is the fact that I bring over my son to watch his first match at Goodison and he it's Chelsea matches the match he watches. Like that's a totally normal thing. Like everyone's sitting outside <laughs> waiting for the bus with like blue smoke bombs and flares. Like and you saw it going on. Oh my god, and the announcers brought up the Richarlison thing again, by the way. Hey, is he gonna face punishment for that? He threw it in the end where there's no stand you I just do not understand these people. They're just absolutely the worst. But the fans were incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I mean, the fact that they sang through the whole entire thing on halftime, and you could hear it the whole time, was just, you just kind of felt like you know, we weren't going to lose because of those guys. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, Lester made, I, I thought, a smart sub. They brought in Barnes for Perez. Um, I think, like I said, I think that's why Iwobi was playing right wing back initially. I had someone respond to me and ask me, hey, do you make a change at half? Because Iwobi, I don't think Iwobi had the greatest first half. He was working very hard, but his touches were a little off. He doesn't look that comfortable wide right. If he's in the half space, he's okay. Yep. He's on his left the whole time, I mean, other than his pin-perfect cross to Mikalinko. Ha-ha. Um, you know, big assist. Dumbest stat ever. Uh, yeah, I, you just could tell. So so it was kind of interesting. When they made that sub, I'm thinking, we should stay how we're playing, actually. Um, I didn't yeah. like how we were outnumbered in midfield, though. I, I still thought it was a problem. Um, they continued to tack through the middle. Uh, I don't like the idea of Yuri Tielemans having time and space on a ball from deep because the guy can crack a shot. But you got to... You can't take everything away, right? So you got to live with certain things. Um, yeah, so look, I mean, and it started off kind of back and forth, other than the ridiculous tackle they had early with the yellow. Um, but go ahead, James. No, I was just going to say really briefly that Barnes for Perez made a whole heck of a lot of sense. I, c- I barely noticed that Perez was playing. Like, he was terrible the first half. People Barnes talk about Lester's incredible player. recruitment. Do you yeah. know what he went for? Was it 30? Oh, I think it was more than that. 40? I think it might have been in the in the 40. 30 something I thought. I, yeah. I could be wrong, but I, I felt it like it was it was a big number. Um yeah, and look, he was a monster in Rafa's system where he was actually ironically playing off Ronda on half the time. Yeah. And he's clever, you know, once he gets in the box to find goals and stuff, but he's one of those guys that like I don't know why Lester would have ever bought him and it certainly doesn't make a lot of sense um in a Brendan Rodgers kind of setup. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were the big, you know, they made two massive deals that year as Tielemans and Perez. And I mean, they were big money for sure. It might have been 30. I'm looking it up right now if you can't tell. But um, yeah, he's just not have the impact. And look, you can't get everything right. So, I mean, it's important to have a kind of a, a consistent methodology because you're going to miss on some, but then you're going to get a guy like Wesley Fafana, who's debatably, you know, the best center half under 21 on the planet. I'm sure someone will come back with me with a name or two, but he's really really good really good um yeah. yeah no question yeah perez was 30 30 mil anyway there you go. um yeah but the point is not everyone's perfect and they're already missing guys so you had to figure you're gonna figure vardy's gonna come on eventually and yep. barnes is gonna come on too now barnes had played 90 minutes and and look i know some people were concerned about a Wobi trying to shadow him but in essence he's the extra defender at this point you know yep. will be somewhat free to kind of shade off on him and at times he was tracking him directly unless he got so far inside he passed him on to coleman but it was very conscientious when he came on in many ways even though it probably helped lester more because he's a very very good player um addition by subtraction taking perez off it actually suited better what we were trying to do tactically now that that being said it's not like they didn't get a lot of chances you know they had some spurts i mean like that spurt between the 63rd and the 71st I mean, they had five corners in that you know they looked really dangerous from the 63rd minute on i mean lester had 10 shots so that was they were dangerous for sure um now we talked about mina's injury before let's get to the 63rd minute because i think at this point mikalinko is calling for a sub and this was just this is where jordan pickford honest to god just basically takes over you know what i mean and we'll yeah. talk about his impact in a second but like I mean, this is one where Keane kind of wins this corner, kicks it, comes back out. Barnes kind of flicks it over to Mendy. And this is the one where Mendy cuts in the half space and hits a cracker in the far corner. Pickford's footwork to get to this ball is phenomenal. You know, he didn't play on his feet. He kind of moved him, crossed him over, jumped over, parried it away with his right hand. I mean, this is an outstanding save. It's just a special moment. It, it, it was reminiscent of when he had to get all the way over last week against Chelsea and had to punch it out from like, 
behind the goal line. This was more of an outright, you know, diving save, true save, if you will. But he does such a good job of, again, covering a lot of ground in a very short space of time. And it felt like, you know, look, we're going to, we've conceded plenty of decent chances. And Jordan Pickford just is adamant that none of them are going to go in the back of the net if he has anything to say about it. It was incredible. And it would not be the last time he was called upon in the second half because, as you said, you know, Lester had 10 shots from the 63rd on. And this was just the first of them. I think they ended up with five or six on target where he had to come up huge for us to hang on and, and claim the win. Yeah, and I thought the subs in the 66 were pretty interesting. So Mikalinko comes out, makes way for John Joe Kenny. It's a like for like. It's kind of what you got to do here. But the drop off between these two is just so massive. Enormous. Yeah. Enormous. Now, Patty Boylan came out and said he asked Lampert about Mikalinko and Mina. Looks like a cramp for Mikalinko. So that's good. Um, hopeful Mina's calf problem isn't too bad. We'll have a scan to see, though. Those are two encouraging things. Uh, now, again, I don't want Yuri Mina out for the Watford match. But if there's a match, you can maybe get away with it, focus a little bit more on possession, knowing that the Roy's teams tend to sit back a little bit more than their predecessors, and knowing Watford hasn't won. I mean, what, they've won once in like nine or ten matches. They've lost six in a row. Um, They haven't had an XG of above 1.5 since November. Knock on wood here. But all I'm saying is that this is the type of match that I think you probably want to get on the ball a little bit. And while Mean is very good in possession, no doubt about it, you might be able to get away with him being out. Um, and now they're already relegated as well. On top of, I mean, they were terrible when they still had something a lot of these conceivably teams, to play uh, for. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these teams don't have anything to play for, and that's clutch, right? I mean, you've got to come out with the passion and the energy and that, as much as I... Spirit. Right? Spirit. As much as ah, I yes, bag on it. spirit, yes. <laughs> it, it does matter to some extent. I'm just, I only get irritated because I think it's a lazy tool of analysis. But in this instance... I'm not an idiot. I mean, if you're going to fight harder and work harder than the other team, it's an advantage. I mean, come on, you know, and it can breach the gap between quality. And at this moment, if these guys aren't willing to die for the win and we are, that could make the difference. There's no question about it. But yeah, it was it was a shame to see Mikalinko go out. But hopefully if it's just a cramp. We're OK. Um, but right after this sub, Vardy comes on, too, by the way. Now, this is kind of a curious sub to me because the way we were playing, I don't think Jamie Vardy is going to be as effective, but he is a good player. So, I mean, you know, no reason not to bring him on. I thought him and Daka being on the pitch at the same time is just strange. They're both very similar. Um, but really, he didn't. I mean, he had no impact whatsoever. I think he had four touches the rest of the, the whole match. Yeah, four touches I mean, and a player, a player who his value is his ability to get in behind and be yeah, a right. clinical finisher. And when we're sitting yep. back and conceding a bunch of possession you know you, you question his effectiveness but if you have to make an offensive sub to change the game you can see brendan he's Lodge, still a good player. rogers line of thought yeah yeah he's still a good player and i mean look right after the substitution um pickford comes up big again this might have even been a better save in a way uh, maybe you could argue was just out of position sometimes that's why he makes it look that way I, uh, but either way cross for niacho uh, he was played in by amarty kind of around the corner on the right side Daka heads it, lays it right off to Barnes. Now, Barnes doesn't crack it, but he gets enough of it to hit it to the left to Pickford. And Pick just flies at it down low. He is tough to beat down low. There's no question about it. Makes a massive save here. And you're thinking, this guy is just going to carry us. You know, after his performance at Chelsea, it's just a fantastic save. And and look, they had some other chances the rest of the way, too. But, I mean, these two back-to-back, this was the moment of the the match to me. Uh, these two, you know, this little time period where you see Mikalinko go down, you're like, oh, he's been so good for us. You know, you, you know, we've got to make our second sub because we had to make a sub earlier with Mina. So suddenly some of that adaptability and flexibility you might really need in the last 10 minutes, that's gone. And, you know, Pickford making two massive saves, saves that I don't even know what the numbers are. And these are pretty high. It makes all the difference in the world, really. Yeah, it just when we've needed him most and he hasn't had the best season, we'll talk about his performance overall. He's just been the the rock that we need at the back. And this these two moments were no exception. This very easily could have slipped away from us. And maybe earlier on in the season, these are the type of moments where it would have slipped away. But Jordan Pickford seems to be willing to try to keep us up by any means necessary. And then you know, those are huge moments. They would have a couple more decent chances. But Frank finally says, I've seen enough. And he elects to bring on Solomon Rondon for Damari Gray, which I thought was interesting. I know we had some discussion in the Discord about it as well. You know, was Anthony Gordon maybe the right decision there? He looked gassed, but I think both of them were pretty tired. And Damari Gray, you know, I, I think his effectiveness, if he's played the first 70 minutes, 
the way he typically does. He tends to wane in the final minutes of games. And so he brings on Solomon Rondon, obviously, to provide a bit of a focal point up front to try to, you know, at this point, it didn't really feel like we're pushing for a third goal per se, but content to try to possess the ball and in Lester's final third, basically just hold it in the corner and pray. We had a couple chances that really nothing came out from it. I'm with you. I I think the sub's okay because Anthony Gordon's probably a little bit more vertical. Um, Younger legs, maybe. They're both young. Um you know, I, Gordon is probably a slightly better defensive player, but it's questionable. Look, Anthony Gordon, I, I don't think, got himself in, in good positions again, but, you know, I just didn't really do much, I think. In the final third, in yeah. many ways, he was killing our possession in the second half, and it was driving me crazy. <laughs> um, you know, you need to keep the ball a little bit. Ironically, I think our, our possession was actually better in the second half than it was in the first half, yeah. considering we were defending. So we did have a couple spells where we kept it all right. Um the run on sub is fine. He really wasn't that effective until the very end, I thought. Uh, Daka eventually came off for Lookman, and that, that made me a little nervous, too, because if you're packing it in in the final third, Lookman's the type of guy that can get the ball off the wing, cut inside from about 40 yards out, and really wreck some havoc. He never really did, and we kind of made it through. I mean, I felt like they didn't have a shot, or really maybe had one shot from the 83rd on. Is that yeah, right? Um, approximately. We, we saw it out pretty well. Um, now, they still got their shots in at the end. I wonder if the referee was just handing out yellows at the end to make it feel better considering how many more he should have had. I mean, I think they had 16 fouls. I think there were double digits in fouls in the second half, Lester. How Johnny Evans was still on the pitch. Unbelievable. Is, not even a yellow. Like he butchered Gordon at the very end. Um, didn't give him a yellow for that. After that was his third, at least third, very hard foul. Amarty gets a brutal yellow for basically a body check on Richarlison, I think, which is the same tactical foul we see every week that Alon got a red card for. Bunch of garbage on that one. And Fafana was a pretty nasty yellow as well. You can tell he was frustrated. But I just, I know you said off air, like, water is wet. You shouldn't be surprised about this, Ryan. But the inconsistency in refereeing match in, match out, the Premier League. I think it was Craig Dawson today. Um, pardon me. Is that Pawson, right? Pawson. Um, yeah, it was, was just... I, I thought he was completely inconsistent and I felt like he wasn't using his assistants either when his assistants had better looks on stuff. I just, Evan should have had a yellow in his first tackle, let alone one of the three. It's I just, I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. I think part of it's Richarlison. They think he's flopping, but the bottom line yeah. is Richarlison gets kicked constantly. And I really wish that that would also be recognized His, histrionics or not. And Gordon's probably getting a reputation now too, I guess. Yeah. And I, th- I do think that factors in. I do think like the rep we've in some ways earned that type of reputation, but you still have to call obvious fouls fouls, even if the you know there's a quadruple role after you uh get the foul doesn't make it any less of a foul. The theatrics aside, the the decisions not going our way has been persistent throughout the season. This was no exception. And again, you're you're giving the yellows finally in the last four or five minutes of the match when it really doesn't matter and doesn't impact the game all that much. Okay. So be it, whatever. But Johnny Evans, yeah, he had a couple really bad ones in the first half, and he should have picked up his second yellow. Eventually does get, obviously, the first yellow. They had the ball 60% of the time and had 11 fouls. Some ridiculously bad ones in there hacking us down. But we overcome it all, Ryan. And as you said, I think Lester in the last, what, 8 to 10 minutes had, I think, four shots, only one or two on target. So, and, and most... I think a couple of those were just very... I feel like they didn't have... I think they had one after the 83rd. So a couple of those yeah. came in that little kind of... There was this little like 77 through 83rd little spurt where they had a couple dangerous chances, but nothing really. Yeah, I mean, they were... And you... you I mean, you got a question. Did they? Were they just not up for it at that point? We're like, the heck with it. You know I well, mean? When you have the Leicester fans leaving with like 10 oh, minutes yeah. to go... Unbelievable. In the away You're fans, down by a goal. Wow. I guess just it's just crank it out. nothing to play for, right? There's just not whole lot of incentive but that's that's kind of embarrassing if i'm being totally honest with you um but that gets us through and we see it out and the fans again the heroes of this season stick around for at least 20 30 minutes to continue the spirit of the blues renditions which was some great scenes you had frank lampard coming out of the locker room after about 20 minutes to cheer on and thank the away fans as well. Just all around feel good scenes regarding Everton today, which is always great to see. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, some questionable performances, some iffy performances, but also some really great performances, not 
think this is for the second week in a row going to be a pretty easy man of the match decision, but we won't name it yet, but it's, it's gotta be Jordan Pickford. Ryan, you put out this tweet. You know, we've talked a lot about it on the show, much like the NHL playoffs, a hot goalkeeper down the stretch can make all the difference. Jordan Pickford has been massive the last two matches, and there's no way to debate anything about that statement in my mind. Before the Chelsea match, I mean, his numbers did not look good. Uh, one key metric, post-shot expected goals versus actual goals conceded. It's kind of a the most common measure of, of goalie's ability to sh- stop shots. And there's some fluctuation in that. It's still a small sample size sometimes, and it's not perfect. But Pickford does not look good in that stat for a long time. Um, the Chelsea match, though, was incredible. I mean, it was something like expected goals. Post-shot expected goals is 2.2. We only gave up one. I mean, that's the first time he had had that much disparity in a long time. And it actually bounced him up to 14th out of 22 players in that number. I'm using stats bombs numbers because I think their expected goals models the best by a mile. I don't know what the number is today. I, I don't know if we saw like an XG philosophy. I don't love their numbers, but it's okay. Do, do we have that anywhere? Because do, yeah. I'm sure well, let's find it. But either way, yeah, I mean, Pickford, like a hot goaltender in the NHL, man, what do you do against it? And look, I've been really critical of the guy, but he's clearly capable of coming up with some fantastic performances. We see it all the time in the national team. I mean, he literally threw us on his back the last two matches and has made all the difference in the world, and he looks calm. And the one thing you can say about him is that he's not hes not making those big boneheaded mistakes like he had in the past. So that I agree with. Now, is he our player of the year? No, I don't think so. I can't believe people are talking about that seriously. But, but he's got a chance now in these last couple matches to just come up big. I mean, if he plays well, we stay up. I'll flat out say that right now. I mean, truly, if he plays well, we stay up. And I can tell you right now, he was the difference today in three to one points, or maybe even none, 100%. So yeah, of course, I mean, yeah, forget the man of the match conversation. It's not even a debate, for yeah. sure, you know? Um, and, and and just, like, that is a hot keeper. I mean, he's seen it, you could tell. I mean, even on the first save against Mendy, I mean, that was, he caught that thing clean as can be. His feet were light. He looked fantastic on it. We need him now to do that. And thank God it is. And then I see, I saw you put the XG up there. Yeah. Yeah. So it ended up from the XG philosophy again, not the best model, but Lester 1.74 in favor of, and then Everton 1.84. So just eking them out. I mean, that's fine margins, but again, the two to one. Um, and as you said, Ryan, look, people are, even after the last match, Pickford has been phenomenal. He's saved our butts so many times, but you know, you look at his advanced metrics compared to the rest of the Premier League, he's mid-bottom of the pack, realistically. But he's getting hot at the right time, and momentum and confidence are two really important factors that you can't really measure all that well. He's got both going for him right now and seems to be really kind of spurring this Everton team on from in between the posts. A player who we haven't mentioned really at all, I think, this episode, but I thought was huge today and has been huge in the last several matches, and that's Fabian Delph. Just, we're saying it off air. Beware. Tread lightly. Well, you can't say <laughs> yeah. nice things about Fabian Delph. He's a terrible person. No, no, no. Person, He's right? the worst. He's evil. <laughs> a player who's who's on a bit of a redemption arc, which is great to see. And he today he tied Awobi for the most passes in the team. But in doing so, led the team by a huge distance in pass accuracy at 95%. 37 successful passes. 19 of those were forward. Created one chance. 11 recoveries. Two successful dribbles. I believe he had a couple, uh, one successful tackle, an interception, and one a foul. Like, we're not obviously playing, I think, a style of play that suits Fabian Delph necessarily that well. He's obviously more of a possession player, but in the moments when we need him to, he has those little moves on the ball. He can just help set the tempo, settle us down, keep the ball, and and kill off the momentum for Lester or whoever it may be. He's fantastic with the ball. He's such a good passer. His first touch is very good, both-footed. Yeah, he's a very good player and has always been a very good player. He's just unfortunately never been healthy for us. Um, he, in terms of all the deals, I mean, he he kind of went against those first couple years of the Brands era kind of in recruitment because he was older. But if you look at the central midfielders that were available during that window, that it was not pretty. Um, I had no problem with that move at the time when we made it. I thought it was a little bit high priced and and... But, I mean, it was like, you know, 8 million pounds. And he's not on 100 pounds a week or whatever craziness people are saying. But, look, it doesn't change the fact that he's a really good football player. He's a good player. 
He's just older. And he has a versatility. He can play left back. But you could tell when he's on the ball, he is our most capable. Now, if you pair him with the lawn and you want to keep the ball, and I'll be very interested to see what we do next, what we do on Wednesday, they're hard to get the ball from. Both those guys are excellent possession-based central midfielders. And he's coming in and saving our tail, right? I mean, that that's it's, there's just this massive kind of overarching type of redemption arc going on right now, too, which is crazy. Um, but he was outstanding for us today. And then as we continue the redemption arc, let's talk about Alex Awobi. Now, everyone thinks that I'm, you know, his number one fan and everything. But Because you are. And I will say, well, I'm not. But I will you say are. this. I will say this. I, I did. I may have, possibly, when I was in the team store this weekend, pull the trigger on an Awobi jersey. But uh, I've never had one before. The point <laughs> is that Awobi himself, I didn't think he was that great in the first half. I thought, like I said, he was sloppy with the ball. But are people, please tell me no one is questioning this guy's heart and his effort anymore. That guy was running his tail off the entire match. And he is far and away our most dangerous creator, in my opinion, at least from open play. Um, he got the assist. I don't really care about it from Mikalinko. He gave the ball away a couple times. Man, in the second half, he I can't believe how much that guy's been running. Like, it's outrageous, Jane. The guy is working harder than anyone and would you have like say what you want about his ability would you have said he's the hardest working guy on the team a couple months ago definitely not and he's certainly a contender for that title now and there are just i mean there's multiple moments when he is influencing play in the final third he had 12 successful attacking yeah passes right there which is an insane he's the one guy when we get into the final third i feel like we're not just going to give it away because yes. I don't know how many times Gordon gave it away in the in the final third. Because we didn't have the ball that much in the final third, but for Awobi to have twelve successful attacking third passes, like that's a little bit the factor of him being outright. You know, I think he'd probably try a few more things. He was cutting in from the left, and if he was playing central, and I hope they move him back to central against Watford. I, I think we need that to generate offense. But that is just a massive number. He had a bunch of recoveries too. Yeah, and and I think that's a good segue because as I was saying, he'll he'll do something in the attacking third. He'll make an influence influential pass, get somebody involved, and then he'll track back with this tenacity that is awe inspiring. He had nine recoveries, two successful tackles, a couple of interceptions, and obviously created the chance for Mikalenko. Two successful dribbles, so he's doing it on both ends of the pitch incredibly effectively. Both him and Delph, I'm thrilled to see them both performing despite the flack that they've taken which has been significant and unrelenting for most of the season it feels like they've got both got a new lease on life and they're contributing to Everton getting results and speaking of results this weekend we had a couple of results that went our way for once that yes, didn't did. involve Everton playing we had Burnley lose and Leeds United lose as a result we find ourselves out of the relegation zone, all of a sudden in 16th place, albeit by just one point. So fine margin still, but feels good not to see that little, you know, red line or the R next to Everton's name in the table. Um, in 538 put out, they updated their kind of statistics, which, you know, you can criticize 538. They certainly aren't always correct, but with the win on 35 points gives us just a 9% chance of dropping out of the Premier League. Leeds looking like the odds-on favorite at this point at 51%. Burnley still 40%. Um, Ryan, you know, I think the the news about Mikalenko and Mina is encouraging. It's by no means, you know, the be-all, end-all. How are you feeling following this match about Everton's prospects of staying in the Premier League? Well, I'm I'm still not feeling super about it, but um, that was a massive three points today. Well, well, look, I mean, so let's look at the remaining schedules. So Burnley had a fairly light one, um, but they've gotten through some of the lightness, and now some of it looks a little more dark. I feel like that was very Star Wars-ish, right? (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm not saying this is impending doom, um, but look, next Sunday, Burnley's got to play Spurs, and Spurs are looking pretty confident right now, Um, and that's at Tottenham. So I kind of like Tottenham's chances in that one. And then they play Villa, and that's at home. Now, that's one that they should get some results. But then they got to go and, um, no, check that. That's at Villa, right? And then they got a home match against Newcastle. Now, it's hard to say because you don't know what any of these guys have to play for right now. But that Newcastle match is looking a lot harder than it was before. But it's at home. So, look, I I, I don't know. Um, The last thing I want to have happen, though, is to go in that last match against Arsenal, Everton, needing to get a result. 100%. Because that, that that makes me nervous. And and look, Leeds, 
you know, Leeds have tough fixtures as well, but I, I you know, they, they've got one against Chelsea coming up that surely will be tough. I, we have not talked about the Luke Ailing tackle. Did we really just off air? It's just, I mean, it's like, he's trying to send him down with that. That is in, it's like insane. He's riding a bobsled. Yeah. <laughs> just, an insane challenge to get sent off so early in the match. What? How is anyone or Rafinha like think out a yellow for arguing? What? <laughs> How is that not a red immediately too? like, oh, we're going to hold off and double check that one. He literally was like sliding on his butt with both. St- Absolutely ridiculous tackle. But so they've got Chelsea, they've got Brighton and they've got Brentford and it says Villa, but that can't be right. So they got three left. I mean, they could lose every one of those easily. Brighton throttled United yesterday. Looked very good in doing so. All, you know, United are terrible, but but the match yeah. is at Brentford. I mean, uh, you know, they, they've uh, the match is at Brentford. I think they play at home against Brighton, but yeah, that's going to be a tough one for them. And um, they play at home against Chelsea. And I guess stranger things have happened, but it's not like Leeds going to sit back. And I'm sure then people trash Jesse Marsh and say what a terrible, terrible player he is, or whatever a terrible coach he is. But look, it, it's in Everton's hands at this point. I mean, that, that's, that's what that's what really matters. And that was scary three or four weeks ago, and it's still a little bit scary, but it feels much better off the back of back-to-back wins for first time in ages with our fate in our hands. And look, if we get these three points against Watford, that changes the, the picture dramatically, I think, in our favor. So I'm feeling cautiously, cautiously, very cautiously optimistic. Um, and with that, let's get into some listener comments to wrap this thing up. We had uh, Evertonian Jamie, who... I think makes a really good point here. He says Lampard has done something very, very rare from the sounds of it. Saw it wasn't working, changed his style completely to suit his personnel. Wasn't expecting it at all. I mean, it's not exactly a novel concept to try to set your team up for success, but you know, we, we talked about kind of the naivety with which Lampard approached some of those initial games at the helm and seems to have finally come around a little bit to this pragmatic style. He deserves credit for it to some extent. I don't understand why it took him so long to be more pragmatic. Uh, I think some of the away setups were, frankly, embarrassing. Um, but but I, I was very impressed with the setup against Liverpool. I thought we were well orchestrated to deal with that. I thought it was clever that he switched from his four one four one to a five four one with kind of a Wobie almost as a free roaming man marker against um, against Alonso against Chelsea. I thought that was that was excellent. I thought we looked pretty organized. And I thought we looked a little bit kind of strange in the first half. But despite them getting some big chances in the second half, I don't think that had much to do with tactics. I felt like we were, we knew what we were supposed to be doing. We were decently well drilled. Didn't like how we started today, though, to be perfectly honest. I thought a couple times it got a little too expansive. Um, but still, you know, I mean, you can only set your position, your players into position and let them go only so far. You know, ultimately players have to show up and um, certain players were just, you know, really stepped up today. And I think Nebula nails it with JP. Yeah. Nebula 1979 with an at of the same name. JP has big game mentality showing that now in high pressure games for EFC traveling support, turned the King power into a home tie today. Vital to get three with key players going down hurt. I'm going to say it dogged determination will keep us up fans, players and Lampard blue heart knock on wood on that one. But yeah, you can't discount the impact of the atmosphere feeling like a home game for at least a decent stretch of that first half and in the second half as well. The King Power was relatively silent and the fans were spurring them on. And that's when Everton have performed at their best at home. If you can try to emulate that in an away setting, it's going to only help. And fans are doing their part to spur the team on. And you can't ask for much more than that. And just in addition to the Jordan Pickford Look, we know that he's been unbelievable for England. He's finally replicating some of that in crunch time for Everton, which is really great to see. Yeah, he's been the difference maker last two matches. There's no question about it. Then we had Hope Kills at A American Toffee. said, I don't know what was more exciting, Mikalenko's strike or Pickford's second masterclass in a row. It's quite nice for Everton to give me a little joy for once. Not once, twice in as many weeks, Bringing joy to blues around the world. Awesome to see. And we had Everton Tweeter at Tweeter Everton. Professional performance, except their goal. Yep, that one. (laughs) Yeah, that was the epitome of non-professional right there. (laughs) It was. And then 
Everton Twitter went on to say the best footballing quote unquote performance under Frank, some brilliant moments of possession, certainly not total football that Everton are playing right now, but I don't know, Ryan, you seem to disagree. Not the best performance. I, I, I probably would agree as well, but I'll tell you, yeah, I mean, look, Pickford came up big, but look, it's, it's, um, you know, focusing in on the identity that we're choosing right now is has been sound. You know, it seems like everyone's embracing it, and 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 by that means of that's our current footballing style. Yeah, sure, I guess that's fair. I think it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, you know, kind of what Everton Jamie said above. I think the issue is this is not how we would anticipate playing for going forward. I mean, ultimately, Frank is a four-two-three-one, four-three-three guy. You know, he wants to pressure high. He wants to be more expansive. But, you know, like he said, finally, after the Manchester United win, beautiful football can wait later. And in that regard, yeah, it wasn't beautiful. But there were some moments in the second half to Everton Tweeter's, you know, statements where we did hold the ball a little bit. Um, yeah. Only to kick back to Pickford and Pickford to hoof it up. But that's another story. Um, yeah. And then I do RuPaul Pogba's stats pretty interesting here. Yeah. RuPaul Pogba at Bossman Jr. Everton have won as many games as 10th place Palace. It just puts into perspective. People have been pointing this out for the last couple of weeks. We've won a good amount of games. We just have not tied any, and we've lost a ton. And that's what puts us in the position we're in. But to, to frame it in that way where you know we're winning as many as Palace, who by all accounts have had a phenomenal season by their standards and are doing quite well under Vieira, and yet we find ourselves in the fight of our lives to stay in this league through the inability to tie games and lose a lot of them. But... I don't want to sour it too much because we are coming off back-to-back wins. Man of the match performance, Ryan, I think it's pretty clear, and I think maybe it's best to let our listeners take this one. We had Pete Rabbit, uh, Peter Rabbit, excuse me, 68, regular contributor. All we needed to get an away win was to import Goodison Mania to the away ground. Pickford was man of the match. He was moving so well with quick, strong hands. But those fans, my lord, my club, clapping emoji, blue heart emoji, crying happy emoji great stuff there and then dl barks gives a uh i think a tip of the hat to some other good performers who we pointed out huge team performance delph awobi decore gets special mention from me for the outfield players and richarlison leading so well pickford pickford man standing on his head love the hockey terminology there outstanding really impressed to see how we are organized and sticking to our shape get in i completely agree ryan any final thoughts on this one no, it's hard for me not to look forward, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of starting to peek at the fixtures and things like that. And it's it's maybe something you don't want to do. Um, but Leeds play on Wednesday. You know, they play Chelsea. And, you know, we'll see who's healthy for Watford. But God, I mean, every match is big. But let me tell you this. If we can win against Watford, we got two home games in a row. Brentford's tough. I get it. Yeah. Palace isn't bad either. But Goodison is going to be a cauldron for those matches. You know what I mean? Um, that's, I mean, that makes all the difference in the world and Burnley play on that Thursday too, right before the Sunday, the last, last match. I mean, the key is right now we got to just roll, you know what I mean? I, I, there's no reason to suggest, look, if we get a win against Watford, that's four point swing. We need to win one of those last two and we're free. I mean, mathematically we're good. Um, so, or I think mathematically by that time we will be, I mean, that's on to Watford though, on to Watford. It's not going to be easy. I mean, that that's an away match. We could have some guys injured, but you know, my guess is the away fans will be there out in full force again. I think so, too. Very much looking forward to it. And, yeah, we just have to look ahead now. Enjoy this one, though, because they've been few and far between of late. Ryan, one last thought. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for their hospitality, you know, in the weekend. Um, it's just unbelievable how incredibly dedicated some of these fans are from setting fireworks at the Hilton Hotel at like three in the morning. So good. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And the fact that some of those guys that did that did not sleep the whole night and met me at the Winslow at 10 a.m. before the match is another story. But yeah, I mean, just, um, you know, from the Bobblers to some of the other brethren out there, um, I really appreciated it. And uh, you can just see the the attitude and the love for the club was on full display today. I've never watched a match on TV where I heard the away fans be like that. And I mean, literally after the match, NBC was just showing them sing, and no one left. I mean, it's I've never, never quite. I mean, you see some of that, but not to this degree. And it's making all the difference in the world. So please keep it up, folks. We'll keep it up here stateside. Um, yeah, 
that's it. I mean, spirit of the blues, man. Spirit of the blues, man. It really is just special, and it's it's great great to see some of the broadcast teams give the fans the respect and the attention that it deserves because you really don't often see this level of support for a team that has been really poor. You know, other people have pointed it out, but typically when teams are in relegation scraps, it's kind of a down and out mentality and atmosphere around the ground, around the team. The positivity from the fans clearly having an impact for the players. Long may it continue. Let's just get through the end of the season, get safe and onwards and upwards from there. We thank everyone very much for listening to this episode of the American Toffee Podcast. As I said at the top, please leave us a rating and review on your platform of choice. You can find all of our links at linktr.ee slash Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. That's all in the description. We will be with you following the Watford match. We would like to do something with you, Ryan, to give us the inside scoop on your trip across the pond at some point as well. So stay tuned for more from us. But until next time, up the Toffees.